all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today, we're going to be digging into my mailbox. I have gotten lots and lots of questions that have come in um, through either Southern Remedies mailbox, which you can always submit your question through. It's fit at mpbonline.org, as well as through my Facebook, uh, Healthy Habits with Josie. And we're happy to take your calls today as well. Our number is one eight seven seven. MPB ring. It's 1-877-672-7464. And I like to do these shows where we go through some of the mail that I've gotten, because if people are emailing us the questions, then that means there are listeners out there that want this information too. And so we want to make sure that we get that to whoever needs it. So most of the questions that have come in for me uh, in the past month or so have been food related, which is great. I love to talk about nutrition. And so the first little bit of the show will be very heavy in that. But if you have any kind of health and wellness questions, we're happy to to talk about those today as well. Um, The first question um, actually came in about cholesterol. And so this person Uh, it says they just got back from the doctor and their total cholesterol was very high. They felt like it was genetics related because of a strong family history from some cholesterol issues, but they're confused about how to read labels and what to eat and how to start um, doing that. And so what are, what's my advice for that? Well, you're not alone in being confused as to what to eat. We've done lots of different shows on nutrition confusion because there's lots of different competing information out there. Um, But first, I want to take a little bit step back and talk about a, a cholesterol panel and the different parts of it. So there's a total cholesterol number, and then there are kind of three other parts that we really look at. There's the HDL which is the good cholesterol, so to speak, the part that is more cardioprotective. Um, And the way you remember that is the H for happy, right? Um, And we want it to be higher. The LDL, which is the bad cholesterol, we want it to be lower. Sometimes we'll call it lousy, L for lousy. And then the triglycerides. And those are all important parts. And so this uh, message did not have all the parts of that 
um, lipid panel in there. So it's it's hard to give really specific information about how best to attack that. But in general, we want to eat real food, right? You've heard me talk about that before, but what we're trying to do is cut back on added things, things that don't need to be in, in the food to start with. So added fats, added salts, added sugars, and in particular with cholesterol, more the added fats and the added sugars. And we can look on a package for that to some degree, right? The new food labels that are out, which not all food labels have switched over, but a lot of them have. The new food labels do have a spot on there that says added sugars. So you can tell if there's lots of added um, sugars added into there. And what do I mean by added sugar? Well, there's naturally occurring sugar and then added sugars. So let's say an apple, right? An apple has naturally occurring sugars in it. It also has fiber that's going to help blunt the effect of that sugar on things like um, weight, uh, uh, blood sugar, and just the amount of calories that are in it, right? Because fiber doesn't have any calories. And then there's added sugars. Let's say um applesauce that is sweetened. It's got sugars that have been added to it. So as much as we can, we want to pick foods that resemble what they were created to be and haven't been messed with as much. The other way to kind of determine if your label doesn't say added sugars on it is to look at the ingredient list and see if there are things kind of masquerading as sugars, like it'll actually say sugar, or high fructose corn syrup, or brown rice syrup, or even things like honey to a certain extent, if it's a a lot of it in that particular uh, item. When we're looking at fats and we're trying to improve our heart health, then we want to really pay attention to saturated fats and trans fats. And so most uh, things are going to be labeled on the front of the package, actually, in relationship to their trans fats, because everything is supposed to be trans fat free, but something can be considered trans fat free if it's less than a half a gram of trans fat per serving. Um, So if something was 0.4 grams of trans fat per serving and you ate four servings of it, you would in fact be getting some trans fat in there that we would want to stay away from. And that's often in things like packaged baked goods. Um, so doughs, um, canned, you know, canned biscuit doughs, canned pizza doughs, those kinds of things. So we have to be careful there. And then in terms of saturated versus unsaturated fat, the saturated fat is usually things that are more solid at room temperature. So your butters and your Crisco's and your meat fats, your dairy fats, um, whereas the unsaturated are more liquid at room temperature. But again, we want to be choosing foods that uh, are whole food sources of fats. So an avocado instead of avocado oil, olives instead of olive oil, um, nuts instead of you know a, a nut oil. So that's kind of one thing to think about there. And then just my basic plate building strategy is that three quarters of your plate should be plant foods. Okay. 
So fruits and veggies as the big portion is at least half of your plate. The other quarter as some type of whole grain or starchy item. And then the other quarter of your plate is where the protein goes. Um, Now, kind of bonus points and health points for making that be a plant-based protein like a bean um, or a legume, nut seed, something like that. If you choose an animal-based protein for that quarter of your plate, and especially if you're trying to work on your cholesterol, then we really, really want to shoot for only one animal at a time, right? And so what do I mean by that? I mean, not combining more than one animal source on your plate at a time. So if you're having eggs, don't have bacon as well. If you're having, um, let's say, uh, a hamburger, then take the cheese off of that. Don't have the meat and the cheese at the same time. Um, If you're doing a sandwich, the same thing goes, the luncheon meat or the the cheese, but only kind of one animal-based source at a time. It doesn't mean you can't have the other one later on. Uh, during the day, just at one time, it's really, really hard to stay under a saturated fat goal when you combine kind of multiple animal sources at a time. Um, If you're not ready to be a plant-based eater, then think about how you can incorporate one to two meat-free meals per week. There's likely some meals that you already have in your routine that could easily be made meat-free. Maybe it's a spaghetti that you could pull the meat out of and and make it a veggie um, spaghetti. Um, I have a a lentil bolognese that I made from the Dollar Tree up on my Facebook. I did a little little Dollar Tree uh, challenge. It was like being on Chopped, but in the the Dollar Tree. It was great. It could be uh, maybe you normally do like a chicken salad sandwich for lunch. Maybe we could swap that out for like a chickpea salad um, as well. I've got some recipes for that. Um, And just think about ways you can pull that animal out just a couple of times a week. And any of that helps because cholesterol only comes in animal-based foods, right? So when we're looking to cut back on cholesterol, that is one way to do it. Um, I got a follow-up question to this that actually just came in that asked about eggs and how do eggs fit in there. And so it depends on, again, your conditions, what you're trying to treat, right? What your cholesterol levels are, Uh, and what you combine it with. But the yolk in the egg is where the majority of the fat and where all the cholesterol is. And so for folks who don't have cholesterol issues and are not a plant-based eater, I recommend usually no more than one whole egg a day, right? Just for health maintenance, if you're going to do that. But if you have cholesterol issues, then that's really a a little bit too much. So, you know, one every now and then a couple times a week is probably not the end of the world. Um, If you're usually a two egg person, then I would say cut back to one whole egg and the yolk out of the other one so that you've got two egg whites and one yolk just to kind of expand it without adding that extra fat and cholesterol in there. Um, And then consider um, just switching to complete egg whites uh, for different things, especially if you're a scrambled egg eater or an omelet eater, that kind of thing there. Um, But really just being realistic with what you're going to eat for the long term, right? Don't make rash um, kind of wide sweeping changes initially when you get 
news from your healthcare provider, step back and think about what you can do um, for for the long term, for your life. Um, if we truly have a genetic component to this uh, high cholesterol levels, which I do with mine, um, your this physician prescribed you um, medication. It's per- perfectly reasonable and acceptable to do that. Um, I've talked on this show about the fact that I do take a cholesterol medication uh, because mine just didn't get to the levels that we needed it to be at, even though I don't eat any animal-based foods. Um, it truly does have a genetic component there. So don't see that as a failure. If you have to take uh, cholesterol medicine, that will be just fine and okay there to do that. Cholesterol medicines do usually work better when you take them at night. Um, so if uh, they didn't specify that for you, you know, it never hurts to ask your pharmacist or your doctor if they want you to take it at nighttime there. So I hope that answered your question and and many other folks question about cholesterol. If not, you can shoot me another email or you can give us a call. That number is 1-877-MPB-RING. Before we go to our first break, um, I did want to talk just briefly about um, alcohol. I had a question that came in that said, I'm trying to lose weight. Where does alcohol fit into this? Well, if you're trying to lose weight, then alcohol needs to not factor into your routine eating pattern very much uh, because it is just empty calories. And by empty calories, I mean just calories with no other nutrition to it, right? We're not getting protein or healthy carbs or fiber or anything like that from our alcohol. Um, So think about what your overall goals are. Don't cut back on food just so you can add alcohol in. Okay. That is not a viable strategy for long-term weight loss. Okay. Because as we drink, most folks go, I'm going to have one drink. And that one drink, at least in a social setting, often turns into two or three drinks. And as those drinks go up, our decision-making skills go down. And so we do tend to snack and nibble on foods that maybe you didn't even order uh, and take in those extra calories there. Um, But in particular, we want to stay away from kind of cocktail type drinks if our, if we're trying to lose weight, because those are often where the biggest calorie bombs are. Um, you know, most hard liquor, like a, like a vodka or a um, tequila, gin, something like that is going to be somewhere around a hundred, 110 calories for a, um, for a shot. And that's pretty consistent across alcohols. But when we then add a juice in a soda or one of these pre-mixed mixers, like a margarita mixer or a, a daiquiri or something like that, that have lots of extra sugar in there. We can get up to three, four, five hundred calories that way um, by adding those mixers in there. So um, it'd be better to do just a sparkling water, squeeze a lime, and ice, right? We want to add, get it on the rocks with lots of ice in there because that's going to slow your ability to drink it down because it's cool and it takes up space in there. Um, so those are some of kind of my, my quick tips about being careful about how much alcohol you consume in there. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. 
For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at UMMC. And today we're digging through my mailbox and going through lots of good email questions that we've gotten about health and wellness. And you're free to send those questions in anytime, guys. It doesn't have to be when we're on the air. You can send it to fit at mpbonline.com. We're also taking your calls today as well. If you have um, anything about nutrition or exercise or sleep, stress management, we'd love to answer those questions for you today or point you in the right direction of getting some more good evidence-based information about that. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 And as always, you can go over to Facebook to Healthy Habits with Josie and you can drop me a message there. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about alcohol and how it factors into weight. And I got a follow-up question to this that asked about red wine and heart health. And that is a great one because I hear that all the time about the benefits of red wine and heart health. And so my kind of base rule on that is that if you are not a current drinker, do not add red wine to your eating pattern to try and get heart benefits from that. The they would not cancel each other out, okay, with the added calories and brain health coming into play, right? So our body works all together. And so it's very hard to just treat parts, right? So we don't want to add something that's good for heart health that might not be good for another part of our body, right? Alcohol increases our risks of cancer, in particular colon cancer, also increases um, the chance of um, cognitive issues and brain health overall. So we want to eat and drink for a healthy heart, but also a healthy brain and a healthy gut and really just a healthy uh, healthy body in general. So we don't want to add alcohol in, even red wine, if we're not already drinking that. If we're already you know, having a glass of wine, a glass of red wine with your evening meal, make sure to kind of cut it off at that that one glass and not, not an excessive pour, okay? Remember that, you know, when you're having a glass at home, you're in charge of how much you put in there. And it's often not as much as they put, it's often way more than what they put in at a restaurant, because right? they're trying to turn a profit, and so they only put you know a five-ounce serving in there. So make sure that you're kind of hanging with that as well at home. Because if you pour 15 ounces in there and just call it one glass, that that is not one glass. That is three glasses of, of red wine in there. Um, the other is you know what it gets is um, 
kind of health benefits from are kind of the polyphenols and antioxidants in it. You can get those in a variety of other ways that don't include alcohol. Um, the actual purple or red grapes would get you those antioxidants as well. And then you'd also get some fiber by eating that whole fruit with the skin on it. Um, even a raisin to a certain extent would have some of those things in there. All of your other dark um, berries, your blueberries and strawberries and cherries and those kinds of things would count in with those antioxidants as well. Um, so, you know, don't add it in if you're not already consuming it. If you are already consuming it, keep it to that one uh, that one serving, that five ounce serving, uh, and, uh, you know, consider swapping it out for the actual whole fruit to get those antioxidant benefits there. All right. Continuing on the beverage, uh, train, I've gotten several other emails that have come in about beverages. This one says, my daughter drinks green tea. Is this a good beverage choice? And that's another really, really good question because it's a kind of a hot buzzword um, in, in the health world about green tea and should we be consuming green tea. And so I'll kind of go through some of the benefits and the pluses for that and then some of the things we need to be a little bit more cautious about. Um, the first is it's a water-based beverage, right? So that's excellent. None of us or most of us don't drink enough water on a daily basis. So adding in a water-based beverage, so something that's not soda or juice, is a, a good idea. Right? So that's kind of a plus for it. It also has those antioxidants in it. And antioxidants are good for decreasing inflammation, um, for helping prevent cancer, those kinds of things. So there are antioxidants in there. Um, but unless you specifically choose a caffeine-free green tea, there is a moderate amount of caffeine in a, a cup of green tea, somewhere around 25 to 30 uh, milligrams of caffeine in that. And so if consumed early in the day um, and only one cup, it's probably not going to be that big a deal. But if you're consuming it all throughout the day, and especially if you're doing it in the evening hours, then it may have a kind of a significant effect on your sleep patterns. Um, I've had several patients who um, cut back on their coffee and switched to green tea and were still having trouble sleeping. And that was kind of one of the issues that was going on as they were drinking too many cups of green tea toward the end of the day. So I'd Caffeine has a really long half-life, meaning it hangs around in our body for a long period of time. So I usually recommend caffeinated things um, to, to stop by, ideally by lunchtime uh, at the latest kind of mid-afternoon so that you're going to set yourself up for a normal or a healthier uh, sleep onset and ability to get into good restful sleep later on in the day. What is the, why is there so much buzz around green tea? Well, I mentioned those antioxidants. So there is also um, some evidence that it can help with things like blood pressure and lowering that bad cholesterol that we talked about. Um, it gets a lot of press for weight loss and that it just makes just makes fat melt off of you and a fat booster and all these different kinds of things. The evidence is not great there uh, in terms of that. Um, there's been some touting of it being able to decrease belly fat, 
being able to um, you know, decrease fat mass and those kinds of things. And while there has been a little bit of evidence, it hasn't been just really super robust and strong. Um, so, you know, if you enjoy green tea and you want to do that, sure, but don't necessarily, again, add it as some miracle something that's going to just make the weight melt off of you. That just, that just doesn't exist. Um, the other thing to be careful about is if it is sweetened, right? So there, a lot of people are not brewing their green tea at home. They're getting maybe bottled green tea from the store. And so we got to pay attention to whether that is sweetened or unsweetened, right? If it is an unsweetened green tea, um, that that's fine. If it is a sweetened green tea, then it usually has somewhere around 15 to 20 grams of sugar um, per about eight to 10 ounce serving of it there, which most folks drink more than eight to 10 ounces. And so that's going to be a lot of added sugar on there and certainly going to cancel out any kind of weight helpful activity, any kind of cholesterol lowering activity and any kind of anti-inflammatory type activity. So if you're moving from soda to green tea, excellent but let's make sure that we're doing it in a way that's going to support our health goals. And so if it is a sweetened variety, it's probably not going to do a whole lot in terms of helping with your blood sugar control or your weight or your cholesterol or any of those different kinds of things there. You can always get the unsweetened version and then sweeten it yourself with something like a stevia um, so that you would be able to get that little bit of sweetness on board there. Um, the other thing that I will caution you about are these um, over-the-counter weight loss supplements that have green tea in them, and they're green tea extracts and green tea concentrates. Both of those, um, you know, supplements are not regulated, uh, and concentrated green tea like that can actually cause liver damage. So you want to be very careful with any kind of over-the-counter green tea concentrate or supplement or pill or anything like that because it's probably not... Um, something that you want to add in to your routine. And if you're already doing that, go ahead and let your healthcare provider know so that we have all the pieces of information that we need uh, to help you should something, uh, should we have some abnormal liver function tests or anything like that. All right, that was a really good question uh, on, on the green tea. All right, and then we have one more beverage question that came in. Oh, nope, I'm kidding. I have two beverage questions, so we'll just pick one of those. And it is, uh, I hate water. How much should I drink? And, wow, hate is such a strong word for for a beverage. But I hear it a lot with folks. And so the first thing that I usually recommend is just a real realistic um evaluation of how much water you're currently drinking, right? So that we, we know kind of how much you're getting on board. Is it none? You know, you drink no kind of free water or just plain water during your day. Do you do a couple of glasses, that kind of thing? Because what we want to do is make a realistic plan for increasing your water, right? So if we're doing two glasses of water a day. I'm not going to tell you to go do 10 glasses of water um, overnight. You're not going to be happy with me. You're not going to do it. And, you know, you're going to be running to the bathroom all the time. So maybe we just work on how we get one more glass of water in per day. Some of my tips for getting more water in is um, keep it 
near you, right? So I love coffee. I have a cup of coffee in the morning. I also have my water bottle right beside that so that when I finish drinking my coffee and I go to reach for something to drink, the water bottle is right there. And it just kind of prompts me to take little sips um, all during the day there. I like one that has a straw on the top of it so that I can just sip through it. Um, a lot of folks don't love that. So find a water bottle that you enjoy. For me, the straw helps me just kind of unconsciously do it. Um, but if you've got reflux and indigestion and that kind of stuff, the straw is probably not the best option for you there because it makes you kind of suck in a little bit more air. Um, think about adding fruits to your water. Okay, Cut up limes or lemons or oranges or strawberries or watermelon and different herbs like throwing some mint in there in the bottom of your water bottle is a really good way to get some flavor added to your water without um, adding any calories or any sugar, anything like that. Um, and then keep it in a variety of kind of different, uh, different formulations, you know, some maybe with ice on it, if you enjoy an ice water and then some that's room temperature that way, um, you can grab whatever you're feeling. And then I usually go ahead and set out my water for the day, right? So if you're using, um, commercially prepared bottles of water and you set a goal for three bottles of those a day, go ahead and sit those out on the counter or, you know, move them into your fridge and write the number on the top. One, two, three. That way at the end of the day, you can step back and say, okay, well today I drank only two of my three bottles of water. How can I make a plan to get the other one tomorrow? Right. Or go ahead and pre-fill uh, pre up your water bottles to get to your goal in the morning and you'll have them all ready. That way you don't have to wait um, to how slow your water is filling it up there. All right. So those are some tips on getting a little bit more water into your daily routine. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. For tuning in, you're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and we've been answering emails and Facebook messages that have come in um, over the past month or so. Anything related to health and wellness, um, we've had a predominant amount of nutrition questions and beverage questions, and we're happy to take those today. If you have a question for us, our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. One eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, 672 And actually had a comment come in that said, well, how much water should we drink? And that's an excellent question. And we, you see a lot of 
kind of push for the eight glasses of water a day. And that may be a reasonable place to start for folks. You'll also see um, a recommendation for half your body weight in ounces. So like for me, I'm 150 pounds. So half of that in ounces um, would be my water goal today. But again, the most important thing is finding out what you're currently doing and then gradually increasing that over time to allow your body to get a, a chance to kind of um, catch up and, and get used to that and set a good goal for it. Um, but the real measure of hydration is in your urine, right? So when you pee, what is the color? If it's dark and strong, like dark yellow, um, amber colored, that is usually a sign of dehydration. So you want to drink until you have a normal urine, which is a light yellow straw colored, um, urine there. And that's how we know we have enough hydration there as well as using our thirst as, um, as a guide to so drink till we're not thirsty, um, there. All right. We're going to go to David in Mobile on the line with us this morning. Hello. How can we help you? Well, just a comment on your discussion about water consumption. Yes. Are you familiar with the product called Mio? M-I-O. Comes in a little squirt bottle, right? Correct. I have not purchased it, but I have seen it at the store. Have you used it? I have been using it for quite a few years. It comes in, you know, many flavors. You can uh, adjust it uh, as far as the strength that you want by the quantity you put in a glass of water. And if you do, you know, uh, online research, uh, it doesn't seem to have, you know, anything um, in it that is really detrimental. Uh, and it's just quick and easy. Yeah. Yeah, I just pulled it up, taking a look at it. There are a couple of different varieties. There are some that have uh, caffeine added in them, so that would kind of go right. along with the same thing I was talking about with the with the green tea and you know your sleep patterns and those kinds of things. There's a sport variety as well that probably has some more electrolytes in it for folks that are, um, you know, exercising and that kind of thing. Uh, nutrition info. Let me see what it has on it. What flavor do you recommend? I have been uh, using the peach mango for years. Oh. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. That yeah. sounds very interesting. Um, so it doesn't have any sugar or anything like that in it. Uh, I was going to pull up this little ingredient list here and see if there was anything interesting in there but you know i think you know anything that we can do to add a little bit of flavor to our water as long as it doesn't have a you know a lot of added things to it uh it right. can be fine uh especially if it gets you drinking a little bit more water there um, so it's a good tip and uh, you know it just takes such a tiny bit uh in a glass right. uh you know even if there were you know things like sugar i can't imagine right. that it'd be enough that it would be but anyway, just a thought. Well, thank you for that. And I always love to hear good um, good tips from the from the road, from the people who were using it. And I actually just found it. So it's <laughs> it's got sucralose in it as a sweetener, which is a Splenda. Um, and so that one would be one that I would not be that mad about. Um, Splenda and Stevia are usually the two that, um, that are, are recommended. And again, you hit the nail on the head that we shouldn't be using enough of any of these things that a little bit of sucralose in there is going to be that big of a deal. 
Um, you know, my kind of no-go artificial sweeteners are the aspartames and the saccharins and those kinds of things. But this one Correct. looks good. I'm going to have to pick up some and give it a try. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's quite good. Uh, enjoy. Thank you for that. All right. Guys, and if you have a tip for us about how you get more um, water or healthy foods into your daily life, I'd love to hear those. Again, that number is one eight seven seven mpb ring I have a question about sparkling water and does sparkling water count as water? And we'll, yeah, it does, counts as water, um, but we want to think through things a little bit more there as well. And what I mean by that is, again, what's in it. So a lot of things that are marketed as a sparkling beverage may not be just a sparkling water okay, or a seltzer water. Um, there's a brand out there that's called, um, ice, I believe is what it's called. And I'm not hating on that brand, but it's not just a sparkling water. Um, it does have some other things in it. And so you just need to be aware of that it does usually have some artificial sweeteners in it and that kind of thing. Not the end of the world, but you know, it's not just a plain sparkling water. Um, usually a, a plain old sparkling water is just going to say water and carbonation, and then you have some that are flavored. Um, a lot of the times what we want to choose are the ones that are just kind of flavored with the um, kind of essential oil of that particular fruit, like an orange or um, uh, mango or something like that. Um, you just have to kind of read the read the label. The other two caveats for that, and I kind of alluded to one when I talked about using a straw, is if you have really bad uh, indigestion or uh, GERD, uh, then adding a carbonated beverage in there may make that worse, okay? Uh, because all that air gets in your in your belly and it may make you more likely to burp and belch and put pressure on that muscle that sits at the top of your stomach and just not be overall a healthier choice. Now, if you were drinking a bunch of soda anyway, then switching to a sparkling water is probably gonna, going to help you because it's going to cut back on the sugar and the calories and you may lose a little bit of weight that way. The other thing with sparkling waters is they do have a little bit lower pH to them than a, than a, a water, just plain out of the tap water. Um, plain out of the tap water should be a seven um, on kind of real neutral. And uh, some of the carbonated waters are a little bit lower than that. They are much better, again, than a soda. Um, sodas are very, very acidic. And that acid, again, comes into play with things like indigestion, uh, reflux, and then also um, your tooth enamel and kind of wearing down to the tooth enamel, causing pain and discomfort that way and, and just weakening the enamel on the teeth. So you want to be careful with that. I love sparkling water. Um, I give myself one serving, which is uh, a 12 ounce, because I drink the little cans um, of sparkling water a day, and then the rest needs to be um, just plain regular water with a flavor enhancer or something like that added into it. But sparkling water is the way I got myself off of Diet Coke. Um, it was about four to five years ago. My, my Facebook told me the other day it was my my ditching the soda anniversary. Um, but it's been four, four to five years that I have been soda free. And, uh, I did that through switching to a sparkling water because the fizzy was what I enjoyed. Uh, uh, well, one of the things I enjoyed about diet Coke, but I used to be a very, very heavy diet Coke drinker and I do feel better. 
the aspartame and the Diet Coke was one thing that was contributing to my migraine headaches. And so they got much better when I cut, um, cut that out. And that just goes to knowing what your triggers are and keeping a really good headache diary so that you're able to pinpoint what your actual um, dietary or lifestyle triggers are to your headaches. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for joining us today. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and we're answering your questions today about how to stay healthy and fit. And we do have a caller on the line that I want to get to down uh, Bay Springs. Talk with Jenny this morning. Hello, Jenny. What can I do for you today? Hey, I've got a couple of questions. Okay. Question one is, I missed the first part of your show, but um, when you... Ha- does tea and coffee count on your water consumption at all? Okay, so it depends on whether it's caffeinated or not, because okay. caffeine is a diuretic, right? So that usually makes you go to the bathroom more, makes you pee more, and so yeah. that can kind of dehydrate you. So I wouldn't choose uh, caffeinated coffee or tea as a bulk of my kind of hydration. Okay. Um, maybe, you know, one or two servings of that and then switch to a, a decaf or just a plain water. I don't have any problem drinking water, but I don't think I get enough. Um, my other question was unrelated to that. It's about um, I've been going to the physical therapist, and she kind of didn't answer my question when I asked her. But you know, um, when you when, when you're doing all this stretching, you should warm up first. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Or yes, ma'am. Stretching yep. isn't warming up. That's what. Well, there's two kinds of stretches. So there's static stretches, and that means the kind of stretches where we stand still and maybe lean into a muscle or or pull our muscle to a certain degree of stretch, which is kind of traditionally what we think of when we think about stretching, you know, kind of grabbing our arm and pulling it across our body and that kind of thing. And then there are dynamic stretches, which means you're kind of moving during that stretch. So more like a a walking lunge or something like that. And so those can be done as part of a warm up, okay, because you're not pulling a muscle to a certain degree of stretch and holding it, which is what we don't want to do to a cold muscle. Um, But usually the best warm up is just a gentle kind of walk around uh, to get those muscles good and warm. And then the stretches where we pull and hold is better at the end uh, to kind of when those muscles are all good and warmed up and nice and stretchy. Okay, got it. Thank you so much. 
You're so welcome. Thank you for giving us a call today. Um, and I have a follow-up to that because I have someone that emailed in and said, I need to lose some weight to help me with my knee pain. Um, they say I need new knees, but I can't do that right now. What what can we do? Well, uh, this is a large chunk of the types of patients that I see in a lifestyle medicine clinic are folks that are needing knee replacements, and we want to help them with that. Um, exercising to avoid further damage of the knee is another good question. We want to take to work on exercises that are going to limit the impact on that knee. So not jogging, um, things like that, maybe more a stationary bike or a regular bike. If you have, um, you know, if you enjoy that kind of thing, um, sometimes an elliptical, but that depends on what type you're using and how you, you are to that. But my absolute favorite is water therapy and using aquatic therapy to, to help with that. So that could be something to ask your healthcare provider about. There's several places that do that. Um, we do water therapy in, uh, in our, uh, clinic as well. And that's just a great way to take that extra pressure off your knees so that you don't have all that kind of gravity pushing down on it. But this is also the place where I would engage a physical therapist to help us out as well, because they can design an exercise and therapy program to help with your knees, to make sure you're doing the exercises correctly to not further injure your knees and to strengthen those muscles in the top part of your leg um, to, to help you. Uh, with that knee pain as well. So I hope that gave you a little bit of help. If it didn't, you can always email me back and I'll try and put you in contact with someone who can give you a little bit more information that way. I have one more email that came in that asks about healthy lunches. And so I'm not going to read the whole email because we're almost out of time, but they're tired of eating fast food and want to start eating healthy lunches. They just bought an air fryer. Yay. We all know how I feel about air fryers. I love them. And are there any quick, healthy meals to make the night before and heat up during lunch break? And that's the key right there is preparation and planning beforehand. Um, so my three go-tos for lunches are salads, wraps, and bowls. Those can all be made ahead of time and and in several days worth in advance and still say stay good and yummy and healthy. Um, we want to avoid, um, again, adding multiple animal-based sources to these. That way, a salad, if once we add multiple animals to it, eggs, bacon, cheese, turkey, and then ranch, that is not a salad. It is a lot of calories just floating on top of some lettuce in there. So build your salad with a, the bulk of it being veggies and limit it ideally to only one animal-based source, um, but two at the most there. And then my favorite like prep in advanced lunch is a um, like a bowl like a burrito bowl or a buddha bowl or whatever you want to call it um, because you can cook up a bunch of grain on the weekends so a brown rice or a quinoa something like that you can use your air fryer to fix a big batch of roasted veggies whatever you like asparagus green beans broccoli um Brussels sprouts, peppers, onions, whatever you like in there. And then also either buy some canned beans or lentils or make or cook a big batch of beans and lentils there. And now you've got the ingredients for a pretty well-balanced 
lunch going on there. You've got a grain, you've got a plant-based protein, you've got some good veggies there. And really the way to round that out is to put a low calorie sauce or topping on the top, something like a salsa or a hummus um, or a diced up avocado or all three, if that's your jam there, those would all make a delicious and quick, easy lunch for you to be able to prep in advance. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org.